The human head weighs eight pounds. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Tristan, you had me at welcome. You complete me and this podcast. Tristan, a real man does not shoplift the poo. Oh, I was going to use that one next. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. What about that uh, that Kwan everyone's talking about? Mm, how do they spell that? Q U apostrophe A N. Um, when I looked it up, it was K W A N, but then in parentheses, also spelled Q. Because <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't exist, doesn't it? Unless there's a last name. Oh yeah, I've seen Kwan. We had a Mister Kwan at high school. It's a, a math teacher. Yeah, there's, it's a not to stereotype. It's a Chinese name. Mm. Um, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. What a strange little film. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not a little film, is it? Because it goes for about three hours. It goes for two two hours and 15 minutes by Cameron Poe. So I assume, guys. It's so funny you say that. Ara said the same thing. I was like, this is... This is Cameron Crowe. She's like, did you say Cameron Poe? Put the bunny <laughs> back in the box. I would love to see a movie directed by Cameron Poe. Show me the bunny. <laughs> Maybe Forrest Gump was directed by Cameron Poe. That would kind of add up. His idea of a oh, subtle little sentimental interesting. story of the South. I did have a, a, a note in here on Forrest Gump later. Triv- a trivial connection. There's a There's some connection. Which we'll get into, I'm sure. Oh, we will. I mean, I've been looking forward to doing this movie. Hey, we're still in the 90s. This is a 90s trifecta right now, the late 90s. I said, oh, it no, is. I don't want to say late, late 90s because this is 96 and I'm 36, so I would hate to think that I'm late 30s. No, you're still mid. I'm in my late 30s now. I'm 38. Oh, that is I'm cool. Yeah, with that. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I'm fine. I'm fine. If you wanted to, you could say mid to late. 30s. Yeah. That, that would be like me saying I'm balding. Not unbold, you know. I'm receding. Yeah, yeah. I'm losing my hair, no, bro. You've lost your hair. So, ninety-six. Yeah, mid nineties. Now, where possible, I do like to try and connect a little theme to the picture that we're some connective tissue discussing. Yeah, you know, quite often tenuously, but I, mm. you know, I like to find something there. Look, sports felt like the obvious link, so I did some digging. You know, 96 was peak Bulls, peak Jordan, and he's come back. So there was some good stuff to mm. be talked about there given yep. the last dance. When uh, the last dance era right we now. We are mm. in the era of the last dance, which is terrific. Shout out Tony Kukoc. I underestimated you and I apologise. <laughs> in my youth. I apologise to a friend of I mine judge for you making... for being the white one. Well... <laughs> The kid at my school, his dad got him the wrong jersey at Christmas and he arrived at school on Mufti Day with a Tony Kukoc <laughs> jersey. And now I feel terrible for making fun of him. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's top I, of mind. I found a left field connection uh, with 96, which was the introduction of Red Bull into the US market. Hey, yeah. Yeah, Red Bull's growth and trajectory as a, as a beverage but into – Pop culture, yeah. uh, extreme sport culture is pretty fascinating. So I thought I'd give um, – now a lot of people know the backstory but maybe I'll just give a – I do not know the backstory. Give you a bridge version. So you've probably – you've been to Thailand a few times. Yes. Yeah, okay. I was going to say because I think that's where I first saw it 
Well, and I didn't know what it was. W- potentially okay. that was right. Okay, good. Um, so, yeah, it is originally a Thai energy drink that was right. popular with the Thai truckers. That's so interesting. They would use it to stay awake on, on long-haul driving. So the story goes an Austrian chap named uh, Dietrich Meitschitzer or something to that effect. Sounds right. Now this guy, he, he basically was, he's an interesting story and he gives me hope that we still may discover beverages and become billionaires. Yeah, right. Now this bloke was from Well, you did want to mix a red wine and a beer before. I did. For efficiency. I, I did explore importing um, Chilean tomato sauce to Australia at one point with my brother. <laughs> so I feel like I've got a FMCG or a fast-moving consumer good. You could be founder leaning. and CEO of some kind of Well, we set up a company and everything. Startup. It was called Chili Con Carne. Yeah. CCK Enterprises. But that would be tough because people may not know that the spelling of a name translates to that pronunciation. What's chili con kini? Yeah, you're right, you're right. There were some barriers. But I like it. So old mate Dietrich, um, you know, his early days, he was from fairly humble beginnings in a, not sure where in Austria. Um, He took 10 years to graduate from uni which is equivalent to Van Wilder, respect. Mm. Um, and then he worked in marketing in FMCG, so fast-moving consumer goods. So he worked at uh, Unilever, oh. Procter & Gamble, you right. know, marketing toothpaste and other FMCG products. What? So he just stumbled across this And he was travelling. He was travelling for work in Thailand. Yeah. And he discovered this drink and he's like, this stuff's epic. Yeah. One thing led to another. He reached out to the guy who owned it and said, let's – Get this happening. So he took a 50% stake in the business. Right. Took it to Europe in 1987. Yeah, because its headquarters are in Europe somewhere, Austria. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then next minute he takes it to America in 1996 and Bish Bash Bosch is worth $19.5 billion, Dietrich is. Damn. But the interesting link here is, is the sports connection. So they've obviously… Where the growth came from. Yeah, they, um, he's obviously mm. a marketer at heart and he tapped into, I guess, taking extreme sports more mainstream which were quite niche yeah. at the time so so their heritage is very much in extreme sports the content i think that they produced off the back of that became so famous because they would have this amazing footage of you know skiers or rock yeah. climbers or eventually spaceman jumping from space yeah um yeah. felix borgmiger flutag 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 mm. He's somewhat of a pilot. Yeah. He's also, I assume, a bit of a football fan because now they've got these Red Bull, football being um, soccer. Yeah. Um, he's, they've got these football academies all over the yeah, world. Yeah, New York Red Bulls. They've bought a couple of teams. There's an Austrian team, Salzburg, that are the Red Bull and, yeah, New yeah, York Red Bulls. Yeah, because when I lived in New York, we used to go to the New York Red Bulls games because my mate was the coach for the um, the junior league. Yeah, right. And um, I knew but I didn't know that, like, New York Red Bulls was Red Bull. Red Bull. Yeah. And it's funny because there's a few things in culture like that, like Michelin star, mm. like a restaurant with Michelin star is, is from Michelin tires. tires. And um, Guinness World Records was from, Guinness, from Guinness beer. Yeah. Pirelli calendar is for Pirelli tires because mm-hmm. mechanics would hang up calendars of naked chicks. Yeah. In and it's like these things become bigger than the brand itself almost and, the, and then they become disassociated, yeah. which is crazy because we work we work in marketing. So, like, this is important to us in a way. Yeah. But endorsements, I suppose, would be the common thread here. They would be, yeah. Jer- a, a Jerry Maguire type would have been out there slinging his clients to a Red Bull Yeah, um, back in 96. Yeah. To hit those shores. Absolutely. He would have been – he could have been getting into some extreme sports, you know. 
And Tom Cruise is somewhat of an extreme sportsman himself. He's a he's a goddamn hell of a stuntsman. He is a stuntsman, isn't he? He he would be a great Red Bull spokesman. Drink yeah. a Red Bull, jump on a couch. Drink a Red Bull, jump out of a plane. Drink a, drink a Red Bull, laugh and clap. Just laugh. <laughs> Show oh, all your teeth. I'm scared. Show all the teeth in your mouth in one. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, big year for energy drinks and endorsements. Also a big year for movies. Okay. The top ten was stacked, dare I say. And actually, speaking of, Space Jam was in there. Ah. Very front of mind right now with the uh, last dance and such. Uh-huh. What a doco. Yeah. Um, so the, the top ten. You know what? I'll do top nine because it will work nicely. Number one was Independence Day. Number two. <laughs> I was just doing a backing track. So, oh, okay. Sorry, okay. Number two was Twister. That's a movie you forget about, isn't it? Number three, Mission Impossible, another Tom Cruise joint. Yeah, that surprises me. That's a real uh, Toy Story Pocahontas moment for me. <laughs> I kind thought, of is. I thought Tom Cruise was at a different stage of his career then. Anyway. I thought that was later. I thought that was later. I thought it was later for sure. I think the Mission Impossible franchise became a whole new thing a bit later. Yeah. The first two were a bit like it. I think the first one was good. Good. second one was eh, he lands, fun. He lands but he doesn't touch the bottom. <laughs> yeah, he goes, yeah. He goes, doesn't touch but the what bottom. if he sweats, Greg? Oh, man. Anything like John Voight would have fucked him. <laughs> but was it John Voight or was that just a mask? Ah, we need to do this movie. <laughs> and then we need to do the second one immediately after. Anyway, we'll get to all of these. Number four was The Rock. Number five, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Number six, Ransom. Number seven, 101 Dalmatians. Number eight, The Nutty Professor. We've covered that on this very program. Number nine, I'm going to say it's very mellow because the song that I plan on putting in once I say it is quite a mellow song. So number nine, the number nine movie in 1996 was Jerry Maguire. Exactly, that Philadelphia, 100% man. I was like, did he, was this in the same yeah, recording session? Like, where he's hey, like, can you get the boss back to get him to do the whole Philadelphia thing? The same damn song. The same song. But man, this movie was a juggernaut. And mm, reminder, really we, we talk global box office here because we're, we're Australians and we, uh, we try global. to speak we're global. global citizens. We're global citizens. Whereas wow. <laughs> in the US... Um, I would imagine that was higher up the ranks even because it was huge. Like this is this was Tom Cruise's fifth consecutive movie to gross over 100 bill in the US, which was a record at the time. So this is wow. This is peak Tom Cruise. Budget of 50 million dollars. This one grossed 273 million dollars globally. Wow. Um, Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 83 percent, audience score of 79 percent, which I would say is probably sounds about right. That feels about right. Did you just say it feels about right? Yeah. I well, agree. I, I'm glad you agree. I also feel right. Well, I'm curious to know, Greg, because I already uh, spoiled my little uh, backstory here, but I saw this at the cinema. Did you? I can't remember. Yeah. It, it was a big movie at the time. It was a cool movie. It was cool. It's a unique time and a unique movie because it shouldn't be cool, but it was. It was. And do you know what Maybe made it cool? Maybe it's tarnished by the Tom Cruise image we have today. Cuba yeah. Gooding Jr., yeah, man. He was electric. He was. So I was trying to remember Cuba because I, I frothed over him when I was a kid. Yeah. And then I remembered 
Yeah, there was two very specific movies in my childhood that he was in. Boys One, in the Hood. Boys in the Hood, Trey. Yeah. I mean, we I'm pretty very keen to do that movie soon because that movie is a seminal movie of my childhood. Yeah, it's important. It's very important and great. And there was a lesser known movie that he did that I assume was before this because he won like he blew up after this somewhat. Yeah. Um it was called The Gladiator. And I probably I think I, I told saw that you when I was this. looking it up, but I never saw it. Yeah, I've so that was remember I told you how my brother got those movies on VHS oh, in the yeah. city, and he got like Double Impact and yeah, Universal yeah, yeah. That was one of them. It was one of them, and because there's quite a gap between Boys in the Hood and this. Boys in the Hood was '91, so I, I was wondering, yeah, yeah what, what was go, happening? We did in Gladiator, so it's this boxing yeah. movie. Uh, it's got Brian Dennehy as the bad guy, and then it's got like the the main hero is. Forget his name. I think he's in Twin Peaks, right? Um, and it's like Kyle McLaughlin, not Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, that's all I got. Lara Flynn Boyle, no. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Palmer, <laughs> David Lynch. Uh, I can't even find it on. Anyway, he's in this movie. Yeah, it's a cool movie. He was one of my favorite movies as a kid. So yeah. I, I'd seen him in these two movies. He was the man, basically. And then in this yeah. movie. He was the man. He was the man. Movie. I actually don't remember him and we'll probably talk more about this in the in the rewatch, but I remember his character just being cool. That yeah. was my that was my takeout when I was a kid. That he was just a cool guy. Yeah, I think I had a similar thing. End of. There wasn't like a There was the no whole, Yeah, I agree. All the stuff that we can talk about is Yeah, character. yeah, yeah. I had the exact same thing and I, I thought we'll get into it more, but I from a I thought I wasn't gonna like it. Yeah. I think you can tell where I'm going with this, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I watched this um, at the cinema with my mother back in 1996. Sounds odd, but we had a few cinema outings because we bonded over movies. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. She Gladiator. got me into the classics. Gladiator was 92. 92, right. So that's old. right off the back, yeah. So I, And I hadn't watched it since for a long time until a couple of years ago when I was having a similar Jerry Maguire moment in my life, like a little career existential crisis uh-huh. type thing. And I watched it. Did you actively seek it out or you just happened to watch it? I actively sorted out because I was like, oh, what's something that's like mirroring what I'm feeling right now? So it was a bit a little cathartic. Nice. Although I don't know that I, I wasn't watching it with a critical eye, I suppose. Um, and yeah, that was a couple of years ago. And so I was in pretty fresh, I would say. Mm-hmm. Pretty fresh. But should I get into the origin story? I think it would be nice for you to get into the origin story. Yeah. Origin story. So this was written and directed by Cameron Poe. Mm-hmm. Um, this is p- after he came out of jail. After yeah. the after the body was back in the box. Back in, back in the box. Uh, but he uses a screen name here, Cameron Crow. A pseudonym. Yeah, yeah, pseudonym, I suppose. Because you don't want all that attention. Not after what you've been through. Exactly. He just wants to see his daughter. I just want to tie a ribbon around an old oak tree. <laughs> Um, but actually there were two creative forces behind this film. So Cameron Crowe is technically the writer, the director, producer and a bunch of other things, but there's also a man, friend of the show actually, by the name of James L. Brooks, who was very much involved in this. And so their history is somewhat intertwined, at least from Cameron's point of view. So Cameron Crowe, um, so obviously almost famous, another one of his big pictures, that was based on his experience being a super young reporter for the Rolling Stone. Uh-huh. He also went undercover at a high school and wrote a book about it, which became Fast Times at Richmond High. 
And so he was a writer and a journalist for Rolling Stone. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> gets and a few wows in my book. He gets a lot of wows. Um, he was essentially a journalist um, but he met James L. Brooks because he, James L. Brooks, was making a movie called Broadcast News which was about journalism and such and he wanted to get stories from real journalists. They met, they hit it off. And he kind of let him hang around the set and watch him direct, see the dailies, that kind of thing. And he's like, this is fascinating. I think I want to do this. James says to Cameron, do you, do you got any ideas for a movie? And he's like, you know what, maybe I do. And so they went and made a movie called um, Say Anything together in 1989. So that was, I think that was Cameron Crowe's directorial debut. 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 And then, you know, so they're having a pretty good working relationship. And then at some point as the tale goes... James L. Brooks says to Cameron Crowe, pulls out a photo, says, hey, what do you think of these guys? And it was um, sports agent Gary Richard with athlete the Boz, Brian Bosworth. Uh-huh. Said, what do you think of these guys? You got a, you got Straighty 180 over here and you got the Brawn over there. What do you think their story is? Maybe there's a movie in there. What do you think? And he's like, uh-huh. you know what? Maybe there is. So he got to, he got to writing and they spent five years writing this thing. Wow. Indeed. It's been five years. It was sprawling and the sense I get is that being not a screenplay writer as such at this point, he, he was kind of Cameron Crowe brought the passion and he was writing all this stuff sprawling like lots and lots of content, lots of pages. And um, James L. Brooks would bring the structure and go, okay, that's interesting but maybe you need, you need, to, uh, you need to package this up this way and what if we started – yeah, turn that lump of clay into a beautiful sculpture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, in earlier versions, he hits rock bottom much later. You know, what if we started there? You know, that, that kind of shit. So they worked on that for five years. But a little side there on James L. Brooks, because that's one of those names that's like, oh, I can visualise that. Why can I see that in because squiggly yellow writing? Exactly, Simpsons guy. So he's a he's a TV producer and then Once a film- year he's James Hellbrooks. <laughs> exactly, he's James Hellbrooks for every Treehouse of Horrors episode. But he um, he was a TV producer, like Mary Tyler Moore days, that kind of shit, but also a movie director. So he did, um, uh, what's it called, As Good As It Gets and like yeah. big movies like that, Spanglish, like a, a whole bunch of that vibe of movie. You, you know his movies. Um, but also he, he was the founder of Gracie Films um, and produced a little TV show called The Tracy Ullman Show. Mm-hmm. During that time he hired a little... Uh, animator by the name of Matt Groening to create a series of shorts within that program, which became The, the Simpsons. Simpsons. Yeah. So that's pretty fucking cool. So massive friend of the show. Um, interestingly, I mentioned it took five years to write, right? So from the outset, when they were first writing it, they had an image of a, a real Tom Hanks type in mind. Yeah. Yeah, they were really into the Toms at this point. Yeah. Um, so they're going Tom Hanks, but it, it took too long. He got too old. They did still talk to him about it and he was like, oh, yeah, it's interesting, but I think they both kind of agreed. It's not for him. I'm a bit old. Apparently Edward Burns was was a, oh, yeah. a backup choice. Yeah, you go, that guy, you know, he's very – he was a guy for a moment, wasn't he? Yeah. He was a bit of a Woody Allen type for a while. He was writing and directing stuff, I was think. He? Yeah. Then, then he married Christy Turlington and just Did never he? left his house again. Right. Anyway, um, Tom Hanks is out. Edward Burns is out. Uh, Tom Cruise, uh, they met somewhere along the line, sat in the script and he's like, I'm into this. He wanted to read for it. He's like, 
Let me read for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We'll just just the right. tip, see how it feels. Exactly. Just, just uh, feel for it. And um, so they did that and like, yeah, you're, you're Jerry Maguire. But there's some other precasties here that are pretty interesting. Uh-huh. So Marcy Tidwell, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s wife, was nearly Janet Jackson, very nearly Janet Jackson. Ooh. Yeah. She was too and busy I, doing the whole velvet rope thing. Apparently. Was it that one? I think it was. Um, Rod Tidwell, obviously made famous by Mr. Cuba Gooding Jr. Damon Wayans was in the mix. Uh, Jamie Foxx was in the mix. Mike Kelty Williamson, Bubba. So he was Bubba in Forrest Gump. So there's a version of this movie that could have been Tom Hanks. (laughs) Bubba. And Bubba. Like they could have been the De Niro and Pesci (laughs) of sentimental Americana. (laughs) That is fascinating. Oh, because, yeah, that was 90. Yeah, Forrest Gump was 94. So that would have been two years. That would have been perfect for a little follow-up. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Fascinating. It's a different movie with Tom Hanks though, isn't it? It doesn't. It needs, yeah, I think that. It's good that it doesn't have Tom Hanks. Yeah, it it works. Yeah, because he's got to be the guy he was before. He's too sweet and he's and not he's, hot enough. Yeah. 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 Like I can't see why he would. Yeah, anyway. Oh, the other precast is Dorothy. So obviously went to Renee Zellweger. But Connie Britton was in the mix. Patricia Arquette, Bridget Fonda, Winona Ryder. Nah. This is Renee all day, baby. Uh, Mira Sorvino was another one. Janine. Ah, she was big back then, man. Well. I was going to talk about that because she she's one of the main data points in the old curse of the best supporting actress thing. Because she won this year. She won the year before year because before. she was handing the award to Cuba. Oh, of course. So Sorry. it's like, but then he had a similar fate. We'll get into that because yeah. it's juicy. It's yeah, something yeah, weird going some on there. Good Oscar thing. Anyway, Janine had. Garofalo was nearly there too, and Marissa Tomei. But it it obviously Marissa went Tomei to Renee. Would have worked. Marissa Tomei would have worked. But I think part of the beauty of it, which we'll get into, is, is that, that she, she was, was unknown. unknown. Yeah, and it she works was next on to a, Tom Cruise. It no, works on that meta level of correct. like art imitating life and whatnot. Correct. Uh, but obviously, the final cast they chose the right Tom. They chose Renee, and they found this hell of a little kid. Oh. So initially, from the outset, the um, Cameron Crowe's like, "Hey, I want a real kid. I don't want a McDonald's commercial kid. Go find me a real kid." They found this kid. They're shooting the scene on the couch with Tom Cruise. Oh, it's so good. Well, but get this. This wasn't this kid. This kid says, I can't do, I'm done. I can't do this. And so he left and they had to find another kid real quick. What What do you mean? The kid said. I think it was just a kid thing. He couldn't, he couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And he opted out and like, fuck, okay, we need another kid. And they found this other kid and somewhat ironically, the only other thing he'd done was a McDonald's commercial. But (laughs) But it was none other than. Little Jonathan Libnicki. Libnicki. The human head weighs eight pounds. I hear my mum, I got to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that kid is dynamite. Oh, man. Oh, I love that I hate, I hate that I love him so much. Oh, um, you're a human. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got, exactly. You got two ears and a heart. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Um, but they got him. And so <laughs> the rest is history. They got these, they got these people together. Bish bash bosh, rap party at the Viper Room. (laughs) (laughs) That's new. That's sticking. Yeah, it's sticking. It's sticking, It's sticking. It's a nice way to wrap it up. All right, let's play the trailer. I want everybody to see you for what you are. The best kept secret in the NFL. You are the man. You ready? Yep. Let's go. My name is Jerry Maguire. I'm a sports agent. You could say I'm at the top of my game, but something just isn't right. 
What can I do for you, Rod? Show me the money. Can you sign my card? Sorry, little fella. I can't sign this brand of card. Only Pro Jam Blue Dot cards. And lately, it's getting worse. Came here to let you go. Pardon me? I came here to fire you, Jerry. Don't worry. I'm not gonna do what you all think I'm gonna do, which is just flip out! Who's coming with me? Who is coming with me? I will go with you. Dorothy Boyd. Thank you. We're going to be okay because I am going to take my one client and we are going to go all the way. Help me, Rod. Help me help you. Help me help you. You are hanging on by a very thin thread. <laughs> and I dig that about you. You want to go out to dinner? Some dudes might have the coin, but they'll never have the quan. Quan? It means love. Wish me luck. Whoa, hey! That is the first time I have ever seen him kiss a man just like a dad. Don't What's cry at the beginning of a date. Yeah, just cry okay. at the end like I do. What a trailer. Um, I mean, it didn't really tell us everything though, Greg. For those that haven't watched it in a while, you know, how, how would you sum it up for them? Yeah, um, well, look, this is a biopic. It chronicles the early days of famed post-capitalist pioneer Jerry Maguire, mm. focusing, really honing in on the year that followed after the release of his seminal memoir, mm. The Things We Think and Do Not Say, The Future of Our Business. Uh, it's actually a mission statement. It is a mission statement. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mission He's, statement. He corrects people a few times throughout the movie. Good on him. Uh, what could be described better as the true sequel to Wall Street? Jerry Maguire tells the story of Jerry Maguire, Mm -hmm. a Top Gun sports agent, (laughs) representing the biggest names in sports, cultural icons who shape our psyche and certainly our rampant consumerism mindset. Mm. Yet Jerry sees a different future, a different path. Sport management acts as a metaphor for society and he foretells of an era that is less focused on money and status more focused on relationships and connections. Mm, he kills in the lounge room. Kills it in the lounge room. Now, as we ponder the landscape of a post-COVID world, Jerry Maguire is a timely reminder of the underlying desire, nay need, that mm. exists for a paradigm shift on how we as humans and an economy view success. No longer shall we measure success through growth, productivity and GDP but by population's health and happiness, perhaps by its quan. Ooh, my high school math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ah, he was quite philosophical. Was he? <clears throat> no. He's Maybe mostly he maths. Yeah. Good synopsis. Thanks, man. Mm. How did you find – I want you to go first on this one because I, I don't know, but I want you to go first. How did you, <laughs> how did you find the rewatch? Uh, it was a mixed bag. Okay, good, because me too. It was a mixed bag. Um, I would say overall I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I like this movie. Yeah. I enjoyed this rewatch, but there are a lot of things I don't really like about it. Yeah, same. I, it's like I like it in spite of myself. Like I, I kind of don't want to like it. Yeah. There's a lot Gosh of here. Gosh darn that, it, you'd suck me in. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some 
heavy doses of the cheese. It's fucking heavy cheese balls, man. And like I liked it as a kid and I think I never rewatched really it until a couple of years ago because yeah. I just assumed I would hate it. This time I was like, yeah, fuck. It was a roller coaster. I hated it. Had moments of hate and then moments of love within seconds. Yeah. I sit with anything with the kid, I simultaneously like he might as well have a sign above him saying, Hey, check out this cute kid is doing stuff. I know, but he was But then just it is great. so cute. But it's yeah. so it's like it's like Cameron Crowe's there going, This kid is so cute, let's get him to do more stuff and just show how cute he is. I don't know. I don't think they did too much with the kid. Not kid. too much, but it's it's the way I have articulated it, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I've got a few points on this. It's just everything is just ten percent too much for me. Yeah, okay. And so that being one of them. Yeah. I love the kid. But it's just it's just like there's just a bit too much where it becomes a bit okay, take I know what you're doing. He was a he was an integral factor though in Oh hundred percent. And it's fucking great. But I just, it's just something kid about likes, the way it's kid likes him, therefore character good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could it's like it's just ten percent too much, people. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, That's fair. But and it goes for laughter, it goes for tears. I shed a tear in this movie, Greg. I don't Which know about part? you. For me it was uh Cuba walking out of the the change room at the end. And they all want to speak to him for the first time. Oh, yeah. I was Big like, moment. And he's like, and I was pointing at the TV like. That didn't get me this time. Oh, it got me it hard. Got me it got me hard, man. And Well, it didn't get me hard. Ten <laughs> percent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it gave my heart an erection. It made oh, me cry. Yeah. It got me hard. There's no, I can't clarify that more. <laughs> no, no, I think I think it's <laughs> I can't. I think it's uh, time to move on. You may protest too much. Um, yeah, I shed a tear, man, and that was the main thing for me. I think was the part that I thought I would hate the most, I loved the most, which was Cuba. Basically, his character and his family. That became like the center of gravity for me, the heart and soul of this movie. Interesting. I didn't. I wasn't expecting all the different layers to his performance. I was expecting, yeah, hey, I'm cool guy, Cuba Gooding Jr. But man, he melted my heart. The subtle moments. I'm gonna eat lima beans. I'll eat lima beans. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, gets you right there. Got me, got me hard. Got me hard. <laughs> oh man, that is fucking incredible. Ah, oh, jeez. Fuck Reebok. <laughs> Fuck Reebok. Yeah. <laughs> Was that like a reverse endorsement? Yeah, because apparently they did pay. That was a spot. They there was branded. What are they? Uh, what's it called? Product placement. But apparently they ended up not doing as much as they said they were going to do. There was supposed to be a commercial in the movie, which I maybe I assume it would have been while you someone's watching TV yeah, or something, yeah. not just a commercial break. Yeah. But apparently yeah, yeah. they cut it out. But I think in the televised version, it's in there or some bullshit. Yeah. Right. But because yeah, they say fuck Reebok. But then in a different scene, the other guy's like, hey, what size shoe are you? Take a pair of Reeboks. Yeah, yeah. So who the fuck knows? What do you want to talk about first? Oh, where do you start? Look, why don't I start with what I was saying there? Because I don't want to dwell on the negatives here because there's a lot to like about this movie, but let me get it out of the way. I do feel like in a few areas this movie just goes like 10% too far for me. Just 10% too far. Just 10%. Mm. And the kid one is the perfect example. I love the kid. He's a cute kid. But it's just, it literally may as well have a neon sign above him saying, hey, look, he's doing stuff. It's being cute. You, you think um, human head should have weighed eight, six pounds? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that wouldn't be 10%. It wouldn't yeah. be 10%, but I wouldn't know what the right answer is. Seven points. Yeah, two. Mr. Kwan didn't do a great job on my, my math teaching. 
Is he not your ambassador of Quan? <laughs> Apparently not so much. Um, the first bit, first part that was just ten percent too far. Aside from Junior, there is the dialogue. Like it all feels very scripty, contrived, contrived. And well, real- sorry, Tristan, <laughs> but you know, it's not it's not a fluke to have <laughs> um, you complete me, and I um, you had me at hello, and show me the. Money, <laughs> yeah. You know you can't fluke having those. So I'm sorry if you want to alter and influence pop culture and have it feeling a little bit contrived. But that's what it takes. No, but this is the thing. Again, I love a lot of it. It's just ten percent too far. Yeah, I didn't really believe anything I just said. By the way, <laughs> okay, no, that's good. No, but there's there's so many quotable things in here that I do love. I think that you had me at hello doesn't ring true at all. It's just like what, you don't say that. No one would say that. But the, there's ones that get me like when she's talking to her sister about his mm. coming over or whatever and she's like, okay, you want practical? Let's talk about my wonderful life. Do you know what most other women my age are doing right now? They're partying in clubs, trying to act stupid, trying to get a man, trying to keep a man, not me. I'm trying to raise a man. Yeah. I've got a 24-hour day reminder of Roger for the rest of my life. I've had three lovers in four years, all boring, all achingly self-sufficient, all friends of yours, I might add, and all of them running a distant second to a book and a warm bath. Look at me, Laurel. Look at me. I'm the oldest 26-year-old on the planet on the, in the world. I embellish there. But that's not, that's not, humans, that's not how humans talk. It's like it's like Dawson's Creek all over again. Uh, it's pretty clever if you could talk like that. I mean, fuck. she'd be a masturbator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she would absolutely. And it, they're beautiful words. In a so warm this is, bath. So this is the thing. I'm not against it in a, in a warm bath. <laughs> no, no. I thought there was like peppered little nice lines, like when he's having a go at him. You know, when they're having when Jerry and Rod are having one of their like raw conversations towards the end. Yeah, and he's like. That's not what inspires people. Right. Like that's a good that's a good line. Yeah. Ultimately people want to be inspired, whether you're a sports player yeah. or, you know, a leader in business. Like but that's the thing I think. That's I'll, not what inspires people. There's a lot of good shit in there. Again, I'm not saying I don't like that chunk of dialogue. Nah, I feel like but, but if you could find the ten percent in that just might Turn be it down a bit. don't make it sound like some kind of monologue. You're cooking, you're frying your eggs. Yeah. You got a nice bit of butter in the pan. You yeah. got two lovely free range eggs in there. It's good to have it up hot so it gets yeah. a little bit of bubble, but turn it down a little bit. <laughs> I hear you, man. I but, agree. but it did remind me. Did, did, so, did you watch Dawson's Creek in high school? Absolutely. And I had the same issue with Dawson's Creek. In the very first episode, which I assume they're supposed to be 15 or something, Joey says to Dawson, <laughs> I just think our emerging hormones are destined to alter our relationship and I'm trying to limit the fallout. <laughs> it's the same thing where it's like, it's clever, but it's not realistic, and and it's overly clever. Yeah, and it's and you, hey, I know, I know you're thinking, hey, you like Tarantino? His dialogue's clever, but the whole thing's so stylized. Whereas yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. Is, feels like it's supposed to be real. That's a good uh, throwback to Dawson's. I'd forgotten that, but yeah. I definitely would have felt that because that shit pisses me it, off. They, they would talk in these riddles and these clever poetry, and it's nice. And then I was thinking as well, I guess technically that's what Shakespeare did because people didn't speak like Shakespeare dialogue in those days. But How did they not? <laughs> apparently not. So it's, but then again, like I look at that as a stylized thing. Like this is, yeah, this is supposed to feel real. And it's hard to. I just found it hard to suspend hard to disbelief. to talk about Dawson's Creek and Shakespeare together. <laughs> 
not as hard as you might think. Um, there was some Shakespearean tragedy. I mean, Dawson was always crying, wasn't he? Yeah. Do you remember there was always that rumour that like, you know where they call it Dawson's Creek? Because in the last episode he drowns in the creek. And it, and it never dad. happened. <laughs> I just remember his dad was buff and his mum was hot. That's right. His dad, yeah, that's his right. His dad was the Flash. Is that who he was? A version of not the, no, he was the Flash. He was a rig. Yeah, he was, he was, yeah, he was a rig. Because I remember that was high school and I'm trying to be a rig. I'm like, what's he doing? Why doesn't his son do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. You'd get in an old gym there. Yeah. And Joey wouldn't leave. You'd have Jen and Joey falling off you. <laughs> but anyway, my point there is sometimes the dialogue takes a bit far it takes me out of the moment. I find it hard to suspend disbelief. You know, you get in that weird zone of like I'm watching a movie. I'm, I'm reading someone's script. I'm listening to someone's script be read. I know? found this. I had a similar experience with the cinematography. There was ah. just too many pearly close-ups of... Of old, uh, of old Tommy C. Yeah, it was just a bit too sheen. Yeah, sheen. Yeah, hundred percent. That probably goes a little bit hand in hand with the bit of the cheesiness, the sentimentalness yep. of it all. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not in this movie, but I I can't think of a specific moment in this movie. But it's the same flavor as the tiny dancer moment in Almost Famous that I I don't love that. I don't think I like that movie. Yeah, I I don't think I do either. It's just got that same vibe of it's just, I don't know, it just gives me cringe. I can't handle it. To this day, I started playing Tiny Dancer on piano the other day, my my ship version of it, and I, I really have struggled to play yeah, that song because yeah. it just makes me think of that. Yeah. It's a fucking good song. They ruined it. Would you, how would you put it on a scale of um, that to Glee doing Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Oh, okay, Journey, Glee doing Journey is next level. Like that's fucked. Yeah, yeah. Because now you do that song at karaoke or whatever because, you know, it's a fucking banger. Do you think that'll ever go away? I don't think so. I think we're fucked. Maybe in 100 years. But, man, it's Journey, Because I'd man. like to sing it soon. Yeah. And I don't think of Glee. And it is a piano I song. Think of, no, 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 no. Oh, of course Just it is. Small town girl. Yeah. It's probably an achievable. Yeah, I'd, have to be, I'd have to be pretty drunk. The other, I got a few little smaller gripes, but the other one that's just for me a, a bigger gripe is just Jerry himself. Is he just like a narcissistic sociopath? Like, so with this criticism, I'm not sure if we're meant to think this or if it's a failure of the movie Go on. or if it's the point of the movie. Go on. I don't get, I find him really uncomfortable. And I don't know if we're meant to. I don't understand why she would like him. Oh, no, I understand why she would like him. In the beginning, but I don't yeah. understand why she would, she would love, fall him. In love with him. Yeah, what's he done to demonstrate that he, other than the kid, I get that too. I get that too. So I get why she may initially fall, but there's no. But it seems like they shouldn't get together in the end. It seems like in the end they should go. Yeah, you're a good person, but we shouldn't be married or no, something. No, but he realizes he loves her. But why? Why does he love her? I don't get it. Why? Oh, geez, I don't know because he, she's great. She's great, but there's no. I don't know, man. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, look, I was on board. And he was a mad creep going there drunk. His one employee. Yeah. That and, was but I know that's meant to be awkward too. So I know that like it's kind of the point. Creepy. I don't see how they go from that to then. I wasn't there for that journey. But then also Jeez. I think this movie, I think the timeline of this movie is much longer than it feels. I don't know. It goes for two and a half hours, which is yeah. pretty fucking long in my <laughs> that's, world. That's true. They needed more symbols of hair changing, like time changing, like hair. Someone needs to get bangs. Someone needs to grow a moustache. She, did she have bangs? No, but I think um, I think Regina King 
uh, her hair got longer. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. And she had a baby. She had a baby. She was great in the film. Yeah. She's finally getting some respect these days. She's in quite a few things right now. She's, Can't remember anything. she's terrific. Yeah, she's great. The performances, man, they're all off the charts. Regina King, off the charts. Cuba Gooding Jr., off the charts. Renee Zellweger, off the charts. Tom Cruise, off the charts, man. Mm, he's like, great. Fuck, they're everyone's great. going in there. Jonathan Lipnicki, off the charts. Jay Moore. Jay Moore, off the charts, man. Pete Jay Moore. Moore is... He's great. Uh, do you know the big one on the rewatch for me was Renee Zellweger though? I yeah. think when I was a kid Agreed. she I was think, pretty annoying and she like was whatever. like, yeah, this girl. You feel her like, energy. Yeah. I, yeah. I, is it just a maturity thing? You understand the plight of the single mum more yeah. as an adult. Yeah. Um, and probably the awkwardness more of the situation. Yeah. The, the awkward's maybe not the wrong word but just the nuance maybe because as a kid you're like, yeah, they're in love. Woo. Yeah, he's a but you don't guy, get the yeah. awkwardness. Yeah. The, He's been weird. She's been a bit weird. Up to the house. She's yeah. actually left a job. Yeah. Medical is a no massive medical. thing. <laughs> like in America. Oh, man. So, yeah, I just I felt her plight infinitely more and I thought she was outstanding. Outstanding. Absolutely. Early got I was – because she's had an interesting career. Yeah. In that it's been fairly peaky and trophy, right? Ups and downs, man. She just won the Oscar last year. She won the Oscar. Yeah. For Judy. She wasn't even nominated for this one. Judy Garland, call back to our little... Uh, Ozep. Ozep. Um, exactly. Garland. So I would like to watch that movie. Yeah. Um, but I t- typically put her, this actress, actor, I should say, in the annoying category. She used to annoy me a bit, I'm embarrassed to say. I don't know why. No, nah, there's a type. It's I know I know exactly what you mean because there's the other actress. The the woman in Meet Joe Black, same thing <laughs> or that, that thing. Yeah, they're just, I don't know what it's it is. It's the squinty it's just eye. The squinty like, eye and just but kinda, she. Uh, Richard Jones isn't my bag. That's not my bag. Me, myself, and Irene, she's good in that. Yeah. I mean, she's good in heaps of stuff, obviously. Yeah. But in this, in particular. Fantastic. Like, she was nobody, right? She, yeah, yeah. She she'd been in. Um, she'd had a tiny, tiny moment in Dazed and Confused. Oh, right. And also um, Reality Bites. But yeah. then, and then she was the lead in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel. Which wasn't a big thing, so this was this was almost immediately after that. This was like straight out the gate. She talks about it as like she felt like Cinderella. Yeah, and that, they've picked that, up on that vibe, that right? That plays, like the, man. They've all, the directors and producers, whoever does the casting. It's it's in it's with intent that they've gone. This is the juxtaposition. Hundred percent. You pick this up when you're watching it because there's this energy. Yeah, she's she's a she's an unknown acting opposite Tom Cruise. He's Jerry Maguire. Like they are them. They are them. Basically. How did you vibe? Because um, I think in the at the time there was a few mixed bags of opinion from a critical point, critics' point of view. What, how did you vibe the sister and that whole, you know, angry angry ex wives club? It was interesting. And having done this podcast for a while now, I think I've got a keen eye for when there's scenes where they're not actors but they're friends and family. <laughs> and I was like, I bet these women are friends and family. Yeah. Turns out one of them is Cameron Crowe's mother. So if one of them is, I assume they all are. It just had that energy of yeah. like, look how spontaneous we're being. Look yeah. at this organic banter. I just felt more divorced. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great one. <laughs> I think it was very off the time maybe. Yeah. Cause, it, it felt weird. Because it was, I feel like I, they might have been my friend's mums or something. Yeah, I don't know. Felt you could, you kind of see. Familiarity to there it. was something to it. It seemed a bit extreme, like a little too trendy, maybe. Of, yeah. 
of like, hey, feminism and such. Yeah, um, it was. It was. It it carved out a little bit. It owned that little bit. Yeah. Um, should we talk a bit more about Cuba though? So we should. We definitely should. He made me laugh. He made me cry. I was there for it. And his Oscar's acceptance speech. That it's was a thing nice. of beauty. If well, let's play it right now, but it was. Wholesome. It's like he he goes up there. It's like he didn't expect to win, and he barely has a speech coming out. And he's like, I know, I, I know the music's gonna play soon. It's artist rush, blah blah blah. But then it's like once the music starts, the music's supposed to wrap you up. But then once the music starts, he finds his energy, and it almost becomes the score to an amazing speech. It's so good. Hit it. I know I have a little bit of time, so I'm going to rush and say everybody, and you cut away. I won't be mad at you. Tom said, don't forget to thank your wife. I will never forget to thank my high school sweetheart and the mother of my children, Spencer and Mason. I love you, Sarah. And my my parents who are here, Shirley and Cuba Cuba the first. And God, I love you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for putting me through what you put me through, but I'm here and I'm happy. <laughs> um, I just want to, oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, the studio, I love you. And Cameron Crowe and uh, Tom Cruise. I love you, brother. I love you, man. Derek Crowe, Sean Settles, uh, Keith Butler, all my behind the scenes crew. Regina King, I love you. You did a great job when we made the movie. Everybody involved with the movie. I feel like I just watched Rocky or something. Like it's like ah. Hey, they didn't give him very long for the speech. That was so did, fast. Can we get a time check on that? So I watched the full clip of that today. What I noticed is that they don't, they don't do these days. Is they for each nominee they play a full clip from that movie, and so I guess the speech is maybe shorter as a result because now they let them talk for quite a well, bit because now, now they get up there and tell you how to think. They've got to tell you <laughs> why you need to live your life completely differently. Yeah, they need to tell you how they know things that us normals don't know. Yeah, uh, Yaquin Phoenix, they have a great example of <laughs> how we need to look after cows better and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and other things. And as an actor, he knows this. Yeah, because he doesn't eat cows. He, he knows this. They're the experts. Yeah. You know? On life. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, what a great speech. What a great speech. Not technically, not not because I love long Oscar speeches, but it's just genuine. It's magical. It didn't, it didn't it's even feel long. He just yeah, yeah. But my but my other favorite Oscar authentic. speech is Joe Pesci yeah, saying, yeah. "It's my privilege, thank you," and he walks off. I love that too. That's yeah. the other extreme. Ah, love it, love it. And it just seems cruel. What what's happened to his career? He should be fucking killing it. I well, don't get it. He did something shit. I think he did. He was in Pearl Harbor. I think so. He had a few. He's in as good as it gets. Exactly. So he's great in that. After this, he's got a lot of talent. As good as it gets, what dreams may come with Robin Williams, Man of Honor, Pearl Harbor, but then Rat Race, and then Snow Dogs, and then Boat Trip, which seemed to be the part that just maybe he had a, he picked up an expensive lifestyle and needed to could be, but he can act because yeah, 
you could see him being a Nicolas Cage maybe where you do just a bit of everything. Yeah, I'd like to see him But go. he needs – he need, where's the good ones? He obviously played OJ recently. Oh, which of is, course. And he got a bit of a claim. Yeah, he got a claim for that. He needs to – yeah, he needs to go off the wall a bit. I think we need to see a pretty crazy side of him. Because honestly, man, and again – Did I, he play best guy yet? No. Oh, could, could he? he? Yeah, maybe. Bit older now. Best yeah, guy died now. Yeah. Yeah, best guy was 27, I yeah. think, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. could he be good in juniors <laughs> like 50 something? Let's look at that. Do you think Jamie Foxx out Cuba? Cuba? What, in any given Sunday? Just in career. Because Jamie Foxx. Well, I'm he, can't, he, can't, he can't sing. <laughs> he can't sing. Brother, brother, brother. Far too many of you dying. You know we. Got to find a way to bring some love in here today. This was the same. Did I talk about? I talked about. What did I talk about last week with songs I Napstered that I heard in the movie? I Napstered What's Going On. I'd never, I didn't really know that song. But Cuba's rendition of it. I did. Got, got you to like that song. Yes. Oh, wow. And that's so impressive. I, did I talk about this last week? And I would have. It was a Motown song. It was a Motown song. It was. It's a similar thing. I'd have these old songs that would have. I'd probably have Limp Biscuit and Lincoln Park on there. <laughs> but yes, the music. It has a great soundtrack. Finishing on "Shelter from the Storm" by Bob Dylan. Lot of mumbly. Lot of mumbly tracks. The. And the instrumental yeah. version of a of a McCarty track, Junk, that I really like. Um, I it's just an instrumental, so it's it almost sounds like a score. She's a bad girl living in Reseda. What's that song? And I'm free. Oh, I love that scene when he's he wants he's so pumped and he wants to sing along to a song, but he can't. Yeah, find he can't the right find song. the song. Yeah, that's fun. That's, a, that's, that's an insight. Um, Tom was great, as we said. Uh, one thing I did notice, though. He did look small in this movie quite often. I can't tell if that's just me now knowing that he's a small guy or whether that's a creative choice. He's a he's a compact man. He's he, such an interesting dude. He's so interesting. So Oscar's chat free Tom. Yeah. Now he's been hunting. He's probably too, he's probably called on the idea, but there was a period where Tom Cruise was. Oscar hunting big time. So he's had three noms. It's probably along the lines of a DiCaprio type of thing where it's. Yeah, DiCaprio he got kind one of, though, didn't he? He got one eventually. Yeah, he just kept going hard on those roles. <laughs> he lost to Jeffrey Rush this year. Our Jeffrey That's Rush. That's right. Our Jeffrey Rush. Deservedly so. Shine was pretty awesome. I never saw it. Oh, really? It's yeah. good. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was, yeah, he had Born on the 4th of July in 90, Jerry Maguire in 97. Uh, and then 2000, he had a Best Supporting Actor. What was that? Oh, Magnolia. Oh, yeah. Fuck, I love that movie. That's a great movie. Yeah, that was that was a big moment for him with the long yeah. hair and little and he started. That's when he started going out on a limb a little bit more. Well, no, he was hunting down directors all the time. He's like, I want to work with Kubrick. I oh, want to work he? with Brian De Palma because I think De Palma did Mission Impossible. Did he? Yeah, so he was definitely on a mission. To work with those cats. Yeah. Well, he got a – so the, the biggest Oscar Beatty one he did, in my opinion, was – the Last Samurai. Oh yeah, and so then that's like a Fern Gully white savior type. Deal. Yeah, yeah, and like the first hour of that movie is just this ode to an Oscar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. 
he didn't get a nomination for it. He, yeah. he got a nomination for a Globe. Yeah. But not for. This is an Oscar worthy performance, in my opinion. I yeah, don't, I I don't vote at the Oscars, so my opinion doesn't matter. Let's just forget the competition for a second. I just mean it. At the level yeah, the of which he is delivering here, it is phenomenal. But yeah. same goes for Renee, and she didn't even get nominated. So yeah, that was same so, goes for Regina King. She should have got supporting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Oscar Schmoskers, man. Yeah, correct. Do you know what? He'll he, get one for a random movie down the track. That's what they do. Oh yeah, he, he's like Oscar says he gets. He's come the back. Departed. You know, he's back. He got a he got a Golden Globe for Tropic Thunder, a nom. Oh right, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's great in that. He's he's kind of learning in in his older age. Well, that was that was him himself. at almost rock bottom. Like that was. Is that meant to be Weinstein or? I think no. We talked about it's meant to be Joel Silver. I think Joel Silver. That's yeah, right. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I only learned that recently. I yeah. assumed it was Weinstein this whole yeah, time. That's right. And that apparently was... it's Joel Silver. So when he fell out with the studio or whatever, apparently that was Joel Silver related after the couch jumping all that type of shit. So he would really wanted to stick it to those types. Yeah, and I was like, I know how to play that type. Give me some fat hands. That was all his idea, apparently. Yeah. So this is why he's so interesting because you hear all this stuff. You see him jumping on couches. He definitely has. There is a bit of an odd, weird vibe to him when you see him in certain scenarios off off the big, big screen. Time. Big time. But then you hear these stories of him being a great human. Yeah. So on that movie specifically, all his scenes were with Bill Hader, SNL guy funny guy, friend of the show, we're big fans. All his scenes were with him. At some point there was still two days left of shooting for his for Bill Hader's scenes. There was some failed terrorist attack in New York where his wife was with their newborn and he was having a panic attack and Tom Cruise was like, hey, what's wrong? This is Bill Hader's story too. This is not Tom Cruise saying it. Say, like, hey, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, I'm just freaking out a little bit. I just haven't been away from my kid before and this is going down. He's like, well, let's get you home tonight. When, when are you supposed to fly home? And he said, oh, two days. Well, let's just – we'll get you home tonight. Let's do this thing. And they shot two days' worth of stuff in about an hour and he booked him on a red eye that night to fly back home. And Bill Hader, I couldn't find the clip, but he talks – I've seen him talk about this as like a – I love the, I love Tom Cruise. He's a great human. Yeah. And it's interesting because – Bill Hader is the type of guy, like he writes for South Park sometimes. He's the type of guy that would shit on Tom Cruise. Yeah. You would expect to shit on Tom yeah, Cruise. Yeah, yeah. And another one like that is Russell Brand, big fan of Tom Cruise as well. Yeah. This one I do have a clip for. He talks, because they worked on the movie Rock of Ages. They worked on that together. And they buddied up. And he has nothing but lovely things to say about Tom Cruise too. Thomas, Tom Cruise, he's like a t- traveling king, you know, like he's got like many, many trailers, like and like, but he's so like you know, you arrive in a situation, you think right, here are my prejudices about Tom Cruise, all the things I've read, all the things I've heard, go prejudice. Right. But like we meet him, <laughs> he blasted me with such affability and charm that they m- melted away like ice cones, the, mm. the, the pure heat of the man's sweetness. He gave like on the sort of like, it was my birthday during that film I got a big basket full of like you know yoga related things and stuff like that these sort of thoughtful presents you remember you know he shake your hand remembers your name sort of remembers details about you he was like he'll bring, if you mention your auntie or something in the conversation mm. next conversation he'll mention that auntie I went round his house for dinner I was really really late because of that fucking monkey actually it was playing <laughs> up it, like he was not working that day I went round, <laughs> went round his house there was when he was married to Katie Holmes and there was that little famous Tom Cruise Suri Cruise was there and mm-hmm. all, all lined up. I went there. I was very, very late, and they'd like they'd all eaten, and they goes, "Oh well, do you want to st- still eat?" I went, "Yeah, yeah, and no, I will eat." And I had to 
sat like I'm sat with you now, Joe, opposite <laughs> Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes and the little darling one. I was fucking eating spaghetti. So, and there's other ones too. Like, it's so interesting, especially because those two ones in particular. I wanted to call them out because they're the ones you would expect yeah. to be massive yeah. critics of someone like Tom Cruise, especially Russell Brand. Just to be, you would imagine he's against fundamentally, fundamentally against Scientology, so would have a problem with him. So. The conspiracy theory side of my brain, which is very small, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, is like, is there some kind of form they fill out to not say shit about him? Oh. Or is he genuinely just a magical dude? And I, I want to believe the latter. I want to believe he's a magical dude. I'm going with the latter. Because the other the other part, the kid that I mentioned that said he couldn't do it. So get yep. this story. This is a story that um, Cameron Crowe tells. He says, so that kid left the movie. Cameron Crowe said, weeks later... The mother of that first kid calls the office. I got on the phone and she said, will you please tell Tom Cruise thank you for the way he's kept in touch with my son, um, send him letters and gifts and just let him know all is well. He was like, I didn't even know Tom Cruise was doing that. And he went up to Tom Cruise and was like, you're being so nice to that kid. Like that's awesome. Like great work. Tom said, I just didn't want that first actor to go to the movies, look at the screen and think he'd failed. Uh, I want him to love movies his entire life. And he says, yeah, that's the quiet way Tom Cruise conducts his professional life. So it's so fascinating. I don't want to turn this into a let's blow smoke up Tom Cruise's ass, but it's fascinating. It is. It's so fascinating. I don't And he does his own stunts. And he does his own stunts. Well that's that's like his new flavor now. Yeah. It's almost embracing the crazy to a little to an extent. Like you want to watch Mission Impossible because you want to see the crazy shit he's actually gonna do in real life. But yeah, it's Fascinating. Yeah, I'm a fan. I I went through the lulls of yeah. I was like, oh my god, this guy's so bad. I don't do those things. Yeah. But now I'm like, yeah, now I'm on board. I'm back on board with the cruise. I'm back on board too. Yeah. He's definitely weird. He's Hollywood, uh, baby. Um, but most people are like a pretty. You no, know, and if you've been a, he was from pretty humble background, and then he was a massive movie star by the yeah. time he was twenty, wasn't he? Yeah, pretty much. So he's lived a pretty unusual life. Yeah, man. You're allowed some eccentricities. The you know the Scientology thing, obviously, I uh, don't know a great deal about. Um, Me other, neither. Other than some guy had a spaceship. Um, <laughs> the Metachlorians and such. Oh wait, no, that's <laughs> that's Star Wars. <laughs> wait, is that Star Wars? I think it is. Uh, Scientology, yeah. Star Wars. I just it's kind of the same thing. Park. Yeah, South well, Park actually gave me my education piece on Scientology. South Park and Simpsons gave me education on most things. True. Hey, can I can I nitpick on one topic here? Can I can I nitpick on one little thing here? Can we talk about his memo? Oh, it's not a memo; it's a mission statement. Well, is it? Because the mission statement is supposed to be short and punchy. Yeah, they're succinct. It's supposed to be inspirational, succinct. And define what the business does yeah. or achieves to do. So, right? so let, me, let me read a couple of examples. Um, Lego's mission statement is inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow. The slightly longer version, our ultimate purpose is to inspire and develop children to think creatively, reason systematically and release their profession, their potential, sorry, their potential to shape their own future, experiencing the endless human possibility. Nike, our mission is to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. If you have a body, you are an athlete. Whoa. Apple, in the Steve Jobs days, 
was to make a contribution to the world by making tools for the mind that advance humankind. Now, I have Jerry Maguire's mission statement here. Mm-hmm. How many pages is it? It's a lot of fucking pages because they published it. Yeah, yeah. It's long. Look at all this scrolling, Greg. Look at all this scrolling. It's so long. So let me just read it at random. I'm going to read at random some bits and pieces. It starts, thoughts of a sports attorney, Miami Hilton, 1am. It's 1am and this might be the bad pizza I had earlier talking, but I believe I have something to say. Or rather, I have something to say that I believe in. My father once said, get the bad news over with first. You be the one to say the tough stuff. Well, here goes. There's a cruel wind blowing through the business, or through our business. We all feel it, and if we don't know it, perhaps we've forgotten how to feel. But here is the truth. We are less ourselves than we were when we started this organization. I'm going to scroll about three pages. Let's get to Miami 3.13 a.m. thoughts. I have the distinct feeling that what I've written is touchy-feely. I don't care. I have the ability, I have the ability to bullshit. I feel so good about not erasing this mission statement. There is so little that we are able to create in this business. Random travel tip number 434. When using a hang-up bag whenever possible, pack clothes in dry cleaning bags. The extra layer prevents wrinkling. <laughs> this is garbage. There's so much stuff in here. It's nonsensical. A- apparently Cameron Crowe wrote this in a, to, to method direct a little bit and get inside the head of Jerry Maguire. So, but he wrote it with the intent of this being the real mission statement. He set up late one night drank instant coffee and had ate bad pizza, channeling his inner Jerry Maguire writing that mission statement to kind of get inside the what's, head of the character. What's the whole bad pizza thing? Because uh, that's what Jerry was doing in the hotel room. That's just... It's giving a bit of a flavour to the story, is it? Exactly. Excuse the pun. Now, again, compare that to inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow. It's not a mission statement, Jerry. I would argue he's getting fired because... The ramblings of a madman. Yeah. Like we've we've got a psychopath in our midst. We've got to cut him loose. I Man, guess. I would argue that. But he got it printed all nice like with the blue cover there. Well, that's the other thing. If it, happened, if it happened today, he wouldn't get fired because he would have sent an email that no one read. It was a, it'd be a, it's what Carol said. That's the, <laughs> Is that what she said? She said that's the 96 version of an all-staffer. Yeah, the all-staff email that had the subject line of the thing where whatever – we're thinking that no yeah, one's we'll saying. Just look at that and just I'll go. go uh, nah. Nah. <laughs> no, no, I'll open it. I'll, I'll read it later. I'll read it later. I will get to it. I will get to I'll it. I'll totally get to it. Yeah. So he wouldn't have got fired then. Funny story though. Uh, Mr. Jeffrey Katzenberg. We've talked about him before. He was the Disney era that was on the path to failure before Pixar and such. Yeah, that's right. Apparently, he wrote a manifesto that inspired the idea of. More storytelling. Uh, I said manifesto because it is more of a manifesto. Apparently he wrote a mission statement or a memo or whatever along very similar lines. He had a bit of a similar moment in his career at Disney and wrote this memo. He got fired a couple of years later. Ah, good. So it didn't happen in a week for him. It wasn't Jay Moore at a crowded restaurant, but it did happen. And his mm, whole thing was Disney's getting too big, man. We're making too many things. All the things that said made Disney <laughs> the mammoth it is now, mm. he was against, which I, I at least he had a point of view, I suppose. Yeah, he's just probably in the wrong company. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Funny you used to say that. He said Disney's got too big. He's launched a company in the last couple of weeks called Quibi. Have you heard about Quibi? Rings a bell. It's super short form content, so literally very small. Like a vine? <laughs> Optimized for very small screens. 
but they have TV shows, but just very short form. Or TV shows, but not as you know them, Greg. Quick bites, big stories. Quibby. And apparently it's a pile of shit and it's not doing very well. And he's like, we weren't planning for COVID, but it's it's, well, it's, it's for mobile and stuff. And yeah, like, but people have got more time with their content now. So, you know, this is for people who are getting less time for the content. And then someone said to him, like, well, why is TikTok doing so well, Katzenberg? And he said, we're not TikTok, all right? <laughs> I'm oh, paraphrasing. Katzen. But there was, but yeah, he's basically not doing great right now. But I do think that's kind of hilarious that his whole manifesto was that Disney's too big and now he's built a company that designs really small content for small screens. <laughs> he's gone quite literal. He was literal. literal. No, what I meant was I go Size. to the cinema and the screen's too fucking big. Yeah. I'm breaking, I'm turning my neck. It's like watching that tennis. They don't get I it. I just want to put it in front of my face. Yeah, a little snackable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's my gripe with the mission statement, I suppose. Oh, my only other gripe, one last gripe. Why is he broke? That's a good question. He gets fired. Fair enough. He would at least get three months, six months notice paid out. Yeah. Um, we he assume had, he's crushing bank here. He had 70 clients. 70. Uh, the average salary of an NFL player is $2 million. He's an agent. Let's say he gets 10%. 2 million times 70 is like $140 million. Is that right? Uh, yeah, but I'm sure, yeah. And, no, and then he gets 10% of that. They get 10%? Agent gets 10%. That's the whole thing. That's the oldest thing in the book. Is it? Maybe they don't anymore. But anyway, he's got millions of dollars is what I'm trying to say yeah. here. He helped build this company. Why is he suddenly broke as soon as he loses his job? Yeah, he should have so much cash. I Yes, and he's still got that apartment on Malibu Beach or something. Exactly. He's sort of homeless once this all happens too. It doesn't make any sense. And if they want that to happen, they've got fucking two hour, two and a half hours of airtime to explain why he's broke. Fucking sort it out. I really had an issue with that. The other <laughs> thing I would say is I'm pretty sure he would have a non-compete clause in his contract. I don't think he could go back to the office and try and steal their clients. Yeah, that, yeah, that was a bit – I don't think it works that way. Yeah, I just changed agencies recently and I can't touch any clients for six months. Non-competes are pretty standard, pretty especially standard. if you're coming out of someone like – Sports marketing. You would think. National. You would think. Anyway, should we get into the verdict? Yeah, I'm ready to get in the verdict. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again. Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. What do you think overall, Greg? Uh, I think overall that I enjoyed this film. Agreed. But there was a little too much in the cheese territory, um, a little bit too stylized. And I think, you know, picking up on what you said earlier about the dialogue, too much contrived to make it a favourite. Yeah. I don't love this movie, but I'm like, I like, I happily enjoyed the rewatch. I enjoyed it. For a long movie. And um, it's funny, actually, it's so long and so much happens that it may have been better off being made today as a mini series on Netflix or something to actually spend time in each of those things. Yeah. Because that's what Roger Ebert had said. He said, ah. the, he said there's, he enjoyed it, but they were, Doing too much, he goes. There's a right. whole thing about the sport agency, sports agency, and I thought they were going to go down that rabbit hole, yeah, right. but then they don't really. And then there's the relationship, and they yeah, kind of teeter right. around there, and don't really go all in on that. 
and he's like, so yeah, that was his bit. I'm in a real similar boat. If uh, if and maybe we need to really, I enjoyed watching it, but yeah, I had, I had all those same issues. But then those performances are so good that if if it's a rewatch, if if a rewatch means that we get to preserve these performances. It's a rewatch in that sense. It's a rewatch. And it's, yeah, it's, the it's, it's a fun re-watch. to watch. It's not a bad movie. It's a good movie. It's not a bad movie, but I feel like everything ends up being a rewatch and I feel like I need to be harsher. Well, but let's do some shitter films. It's also because we keep choosing movies we like. Yeah. yeah, it's true. We should do some shitter films. But yeah, so I was on the fence, but I ultimately leaned towards I enjoyed watching it. So yeah. It's a fucking rewatch. Uh, a few little uh, double impact patented tests yeah, here. What, what, uh, yeah, talk did, us through the order because I, I, I'm out of order. <laughs> did Simpsons do it? Yes. Yes. Subtly. Yeah. So apparently. Show uh, me the message. Yeah, apparently. I couldn't find a clip. Yeah. But apparently there's a scene where they're trying 99 hilarious phone messages. Homer imitates Jerry Maguire by saying, hi, this is Jerry Maguire. Show me the message. Show me the message. I don't want to do a Homer impression. I can't do that. Porn parody. Apparently not from, from my limited Googling. No, I was I a little Google cautious. And I was in some pretty hectic territory. <laughs> It had nothing to do with Jerry Maguire very quickly. <laughs> Wish I hadn't used my work phone. <laughs> Bechdel test, that's a big fat nope. Um, special effects test, whatever, sure, why not? Um, Jonathan Libnicki had some good hair gel. Um, no grenades though, Greg. Doesn't pass the grenades test. Yeah. No Molotov cocktails. No explosive throwing devices. Yeah, that's, that's going to be one mark against it. What about recasties? If this was made today, how what, what might it look it's gotta like? It's got to be Leo, doesn't it? That's good, yeah. I had, um, first I was like, no one. You know, it's not Jerry Maguire. Like, because also the creepiness of Tom Cruise kind of works yeah. for this too because that bit of American psychoness too. Yeah, it. that's why I think Leo could do it because he can be. He could because I was thinking Ryan Gosling, but that was more just because who's someone that's like would have the charisma and charm to be and and – Hot to be have her swooning like that. Um, yeah, that, that's probably the one because he's, he's got the same slightly psycho vibe. Yeah, 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 that's good. And I didn't have any other, um, I didn't have because a, I didn't have a it defeats the purpose for Dorothy. It should be someone we don't know. Yeah, but I was thinking for Cuba Gooding these days, it would probably be an actual athlete. Oh, yeah, a la um, LeBron in, in train wreck playing himself. But I don't know enough about sports these days to know who that would be. Not LeBron. Say, yeah. Let's say Le- LeBron Tony Kukoc. It would be Tony, Tony Kukoc. <laughs> Love it. What about Six Degrees of JCVD? Uh, I've brought two to the table tonight Ooh. because I didn't have one last week mm. and I felt bad. <laughs> so I didn't either. My first one is Rene Zellweger mm-hmm. into Jim Carrey. From mm-hmm. me, myself, and Irene. Jim Carrey into Courtney Cox in Ace Ventura. Courtney Cox into Van Damme for Friends. Oh, that's a good one. That actually opens a whole new territory, doesn't it? I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, it does. It gets you mainstream quick. Exactly. And I've got a, a second version that's, of that. That's the hard part usually. Getting the, Exactly. Get it, how do I bridge the mainstream to JCVD? I've got another quick one because okay. it's on the same theme. This time I went Tom Cruise into Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman into the monkey in Outbreak, monkey in Outbreak <laughs> into Friends in Outbreak 2. Okay, so this makes sense now because, Greg, before I, earlier today I was like, Greg, I've, I've, got six degree, I've got six degrees of JCVD sorted. I'm going to 
kick your ass at this. And you're like, well, what's good? Does good mean short or does good mean interesting? I think you nailed interesting because mine's not interesting. It's just quick. What is it? It is um, Cuba was in Machete Kills with Danny Trejo and Danny Trejo was in Inferno with JCVD. It's oh, one degree. <laughs> that's fast. Yeah, it's fast. I stumbled across that. I haven't What's seen that Machete movie. Kills? Is that like Machete 2? Yeah, Machete 2. I yeah. never saw that. I don't think I did either. What was the other film? It's a JCVD movie called Inferno. I never heard of it. it sounds it's like 1999. Sounds like he wants to do a remake for his building movie. <laughs> oh, wait, what was that called? I don't know. He didn't have a name for it yet. You know, like Scorsese. We're looking for a director right now. And there's someone I want to get, but we don't know. <laughs> I don't know he's getting directors. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Oh, man. Oh, do you have an MVP? Oh, yeah. I Actually, I'm giving it to Renee Zellweger. That's fair. I'm glad you said that because I'm giving it to Cuba, but I feel like she needs equal. Yeah, I think it was because I – it was The a, gap from – From how I watched the first watch, time. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my low, low keys, I had, uh, I had Jonathan – yeah. And um but also Jay Moore. I thought he was Yeah, fucking good man. Little scene stealer, like he just Yeah, scene stealer. Also right a joke stealer, as it turns out. So this is why I always wonder why has Jay Moore's career been so limited? He was on SNL for a while and he did a sketch on SNL, which he later there was some controversy around it because a local comedian was like, That's my bit and he admitted to stealing it eventually. Oh. I think he got he left SNL shortly after that. And I don't think it's officially why we don't see much Jay Moore, but I feel like it's probably an industry oh. thing of like joke stealer, joke stealer. Really? Jeez. Yeah. He does, I mean. But he's also a scene stealer. We loved him in Go. He was good in Go. He's good in this. Mm. He's good. He's a good shitbag. He's a good, yeah. In this he's a good shitbag. Yeah. Bob Sugar. Bob Sugar. What an asshole. Get him. Bob Sugar on the phone. Get Bob Sugar on the phone. All right, what have we got next week? Hey, next week's a bit of World Cup. I'm not sure yet, so I'm not going to say. But it might be lap packy. It's going to be lap packy. I'll give you that much. Um, but in the meantime, hey, we'd love if you can leave us a review. It really helps us. Find us on Instagram at Double Impact Podcast. Even shoot us an email if you feel like it. Yeah, Tristan checks it. Yeah, <laughs> Double Impact Podcast at gmail.com. I think. Bye. Bye.